Welcome back. This is the 33rd episode of AIR, an interview podcast series with a different theme each episode. Joining me this month is renowned DJ and my own Jupiter boss, Nicholas Lutz. After getting his start in his native Uruguay and making stops in Berlin and London along the way, Nicholas has garnered a cult following thanks to his keen ear, his flawless mixing, and his unparalleled ability to unearth the kind of singular records that make his marathon DJ sets so special. It seemed to only make sense then that for this episode, Nicholas and I discuss his specialty, the ins and outs of his approach to DJing, his early formative experiences as an artist, and the musical philosophy that continues to inform his practice. Thank you for joining me on the podcast. Yeah, you're welcome. I like it to do it. I was uh, listening to some podcasts you have, and uh, I like it the way you do it. So I'm really always not so uh, into doing many interviews. <laughs> I'm opening to this. Yes. Perfect. So as I was preparing for this chat, uh, Obviously, you haven't done so many interviews, but I was reading an interview that actually Craig Richards did where he talked about your influence on him as a DJ. And he says that your level of discipline is what sets you apart from other DJs because you not only know your records really well, but you also really know what you're doing. So I'm wondering if you would if you would consider that to be sort of the foundation of being a good DJ or playing a good set, like knowing your records and also knowing what you're doing. Yeah, I mean... I think uh, I think you need always a, a little bit of talent, <laughs> at least a little bit, and, uh, and 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 a lot of work. But a lot of work, I think, I'm natural because at least for me, it came always natural. I was never like a big effort to to do this, you know. <laughs> but uh, it was the only I think thing in my life that I'm disciplined, you know. I, 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 that I have discipline. One thing is that you should not look so much for the size, you know, you should just do your thing, find, look for your records or your music and play it uh, the most honest way you can do it. And, uh, you know, like each DJ have, has a different, um, uh, let's say, idea of why they do this, you know, like I know why I, I do this and uh, how good is for me to do this and in a way every time i play i can transform my shit into something interesting or something good for me and of course uh this will have impact in other people and some other people for me you have to just be honest with you and the uh, and the time to look for your records to search for your music and buy new records and 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 uh, at the time to play them as well, you know. You mentioned that you 
you know what what your reason is for doing this. Do you want to share what that reason is? I mean, I don't know. It's, it's the only way I found. It's a, this is a therapy for me. It's, it's the only way I found to. Not the only way I found. This would sound weird, but not the only way I found to to feel to feel good. <laughs> but uh, at least to all the things I have inside and weird feelings and like issues. Uh, with this, I can transform all of these feelings into something nice. Put it out in a nice way, you know. I I always felt something like this, but of course you get older and. It was not the same when I was 20 and now I'm 41 and, you know, like the intensity grows and like the you work deeper in, on the music when you get older. Basically, that's the reason that to keep to keep to keep alive. In a way. <laughs> you know? yes. Going back to discipline, you mentioned that that is something that you have to kind of keep up with. I wonder if you can explain a bit about what you what you consider to be the sort of training or, I don't know, preparation that you do in terms of being a DJ? I mean, I, I, mean, I, mean, I, I, I have discipline when I, from, from when I mix the first record, you know, like uh, that in there, when you are playing records or music in front of uh, people and in a big sound system, I'm concentrated. I'm, I'm, I cannot, I don't want people around, so people around me or something, <laughs> honestly, like I... I have all the rest of the time to talk and to be doing many other things and they are playing records and I have three hours or four hours or five hours or whatever and I know how good I like to do it, you know? It was the only time in my life I've been disciplined, you know? Like, I've been always too me- too messy for <laughs> everything. So so there I found it. I found when I'm in the booth playing records, I... I'm concentrate. I, I I enjoy like to do it like that. I sometimes I have to put out ask to put people out from the DJ booth and this and this. Mm-hmm. It's not because I'm I'm. Uh, <laughs> 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 I don't know it's just only because I like to be al- <laughs> alone there and doing my thing. You know. Mm-hmm. So do you think that there's a line that you have to cross between when you're DJing as a hobby and when you're DJing as a career, like in terms of the amount of time that you put into it? As, as I remember, and in my own, I can only talk from my experience, I always put the same, uh, if, I mean, I put the same uh, interest, you know, like always, I always put the same interest. I always been digging for music and uh, and this compromise other areas. If you have a family, you know, we, we compromise different other areas, but the work you do is the same for me, you know? Like, uh, I continue digging for records like it was 20 years ago, and I do this mostly every day. In that aspect, the, it didn't change so much. Mm-hmm. Do you think that you are still continuing to improve your skills as a DJ, even now, you know, 20 years later? Is it still always a kind of learning process for you? I don't know. For me, it works like uh, I don't have to think to mix two records. It comes how it comes, you know. Like <laughs> honestly, I, I'm not thinking when I do this. Uh, I don't know how it works for other people, but for me, it works like this. I'm not thinking too much. I just, you know, I check my records and say, okay, I can play this with the ne- with with the last record and how the mix comes, I don't know. It's kind of a surprise for myself sometimes even. But I don't know if I, yeah, maybe. maybe. I, I mean, actually it happened. Sometimes can a mix 
with two records that at this moment they go with each other so good and the way you do it is uh, also good and the magic happened <laughs> in a way and when this happened you, you, you when this happened you, you I get surprised I think when 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 I stop surprising myself doing this I would get bored of this you know I think <laughs> <laughs> so are you I don't know are you practicing mixing at home I mean you say that it comes very naturally to you but you know is there is there more ways that you can continue to learn and hone your skills as a DJ? Mm, not really, not really. I don't really mix at home uh, so much. Just when I have to record, I want to record something and uh, I do it. Or when we meet some friends at home and we mix some records and uh, this happened, but uh, not so much. I listen records every day, but uh, I'm not mixing every day at home, of course. Mm -hmm. I did this a lot in the past, of course, but... Of course, but uh, I don't know when you start uh, maybe playing every weekend uh, or more often use the time the free time in the week I have a son and so I share it with my family and uh, with like uh, continue looking for records and uh, other things coming other responsibilities coming also so yeah Do you think that there will be a point where you will have learned as much as you can and your skills will have gotten like as good as they can get and you'll reach kind of this plateau? Like, do you think maybe you're in that position now? I mean, I don't know. This happened nat naturally. I cannot, uh, I, I, I don't have a plan for this, you know. Uh, I've been doing this uh, since a long time. I love to do it. I, every time I go to play, it's, it's, it's the best time for me. And the, I mean, the magic st keep happening, you know. And so I think this would be... I won't say forever, <laughs> you know, when it's forever, but, but like, I think I, I will keep enjoying it, you know, like I am. Uh, I need, I need this. I, I need this. I need to do this. It's a need I have. It's a need I have to go and mix record in, in a, in a big sound system and, uh, and, uh, and to share this, uh, have this feedback with the people and the music. Uh, this is for me is, uh, is too important. You know, so uh, I think I will be doing this for a very long time. Yeah. I guess that this time with the pandemic and clubs being closed has probably been quite hard on you and you can't really have those experiences. Uh, how have you been coping? Yeah, this was a, <laughs> this is, this was a, a thing, actually. Yes, uh, because imagine like from I was so comfortable with this and uh, I found uh, I found myself doing such a deep uh, work uh, with myself in the, in the on the music and like from one day to the next day like everything stopped so uh you I passed through like uh, different uh ups and downs em emotionally was really I had a really weird year I I was not finding something that can re I will never replace that feeling but at least to make me feel something good. Uh, one positive thing was like I could spend more time with my son mm -hmm. and this was good, really good. But uh, I was also missing something, uh, you know, and uh, and uh, OK, this was the best thing on, of this pandemic was that, of course, the relationship with my family, uh, with my son especially got uh, to uh, another level because of the time we spent together. but. At the same time, uh, I was missing something really big, you know, and uh, and I was not finding what to do till, okay, we, 
have the idea with a friend to make a record together so this at least we finished the year with one record ready this was just a little bit of okay you know to feel alive the start of the year i see it with different eyes and i feel better and uh, yeah i keep doing things and releasing records uh, for other artists and uh, yeah i missed to play i had a gig last weekend and uh, it was like, I think my second gig in all the pandemic, proper gig in a club. It was really good actually to have this, uh, to have this again. Mm. Uh, so I start to see the light a little bit. So I feel better. Did it feel the same as you remember? Like when you were playing, did, did it feel like that same magic? Yes, yes. But uh, it's also when you play every weekend and two or three times a week, uh, you have a relation with your records and mm. uh, the thing is like, it's, you know, when it's different than when you stop maybe for like one year and you go to the club, you you know, you, maybe you listen to some records at home, but you're not mixing them so often. And uh, so at the beginning of the set, you feel a bit, uh, was a, I didn't feel tense, but I felt like, I don't know, it was a different excitement. Sure. But it was really good. I enjoyed so much. Also was in one of the clubs I like to play the most. So it was, was special. Yeah, it was very nice. So you mentioned that being sort of out of out of practice a little bit or not having played in so long kind of gave you a different energy. Uh, I'm wondering, like, how does knowing your records really well or having that deep knowledge of sort of what you're going to play and what what goes together? How does that make a good set? Like, would you say that it takes away some of the hesitation or questioning? The thing is, like, I think a, a DJ must know really well the music. They play, we play, you know, like uh, if you are a DJ and you don't know the re really well the records you play, for me, it's, it's kind of weird because it's one thing we do and that thing we do is to know our music and mix it. So I think everybody, I don't know, I talk from my side, but I think like every DJ know the record and the music you play, but the music have changes and the music have a structure and uh, and and of course you need to understand this structure of the music and so the mixes can be like and also um, have the f uh, feeling for the selection and uh, and there is when say again the magic can happen if you don't know your records and uh, you mix it with other records you don't know so well uh, it's hard that something really good happen you know so in terms of getting to know your records is that just something that happens naturally as you buy them and listen to them at home and then also the experience of playing them out does that all just kind of come naturally for you i mean it's really easy i buy a record i love every record i buy i like so much and i listen at home and i know the record i have good memory for records and mm -hmm. uh, i i know them and i know them and when you play it more you know the records more and Sometimes you discover frequencies you don't hear in some, some systems, you hear it in another one. <laughs> and uh, so you know better your records with the time, of course. But uh, but I think, yes, at every, I guess every, most mostly every DJ know well the music. I, I, I could not understand that uh, someone play records and don't know the record before the <laughs> they play it, you know. Does the setup of a club also impact the level of confidence that you have? Like, is it easier to play a good set when the technical setup in a club is perfect? Yes, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, and which sound system it has, and uh, how good is the setup? Uh, of course, will will uh, will change. You know, the impact of the 
of everything. Also uh, for me, I can improve more if, okay, if there's something happening, one turntable is not in the best condition, I can still play, it's fine, you know, I can still mix with that uh, turntable. And with the, mon the monitors, of course, if I have better monitors, it's better for me, but with, you know, not the best monitor, I can also mix. But if you don't have a proper sound system for the dance floor, the music maybe will not have that impact that it should have. Mm -hmm. Which clubs would you say have this setup that give you that sort of confidence? There's many. I mean, actually, uh, most of the clubs I play have a good setup. But if I mention a few that is really good uh, to play, like the Room 1 of Fabric uh, or Robert Johnson, uh, Closer also, uh, Phonotech as well. There's so many. All clubs I played they have a good setup, you know, like. Does the length of time that you play also have an impact on how sort of free you can get, you know, if you play a, a six hour set compared to an hour and a half? Like, does that give you time to experiment or feel a bit more free or feel a bit more confident? I mean, I don't play less than three hours <laughs> because I think like you need minimum three hours to, I don't know, to create something interest, interesting and uh, if I can play more is better. Also depends the place. I will not agree also to play 10 hours at everywhere, you know. I think when some offer come, you have to see also, okay, in that place, what is good, you know. Not always the maximum hours you can play are good to, for every club. But yeah, it's true that for me, uh, minimum three hours for uh, is, is the minimum best I can get. And so in terms of when you're actually playing, uh, I wonder if there's a point where you kind of have to accept that you might make a mistake or that something will go wrong and that will kind of help your confidence. You know, like once you sort of accept that anything could happen, it's a bit easier maybe? I think like, you know, like we 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 are people and we do mistakes in, you know, ev everywhere. So yeah. <laughs> this would be like one more and you don't have to take it so it should i think should not like uh you know like just fuck your set because of one mistake you know like you just go you just go on it's a mistake anything can happen the needle can the record can jump or the thing can you know can go weird i don't know mm -hmm. uh, it's always happening we always do mistakes so this it's just also one more mistake and it's just not so bad, you know, it's just a mistake mixing records. If you mix in a night, I don't know, uh, maybe 80 records, <laughs> 80, 80, 80 tunes and you do a mistake of few. Uh, I think you should not take it too, too serious. There's an RA interview with Jeff Mills where he's talking about his mixing style and he says that sometimes he just purposely lets a track fall off a little bit just so that he can fix his mistake and sort of remind the crowd that he's human. Um, basically, he's saying that perfection isn't always the goal. So I'm wondering if that resonates with you. Like the goal is not to be perfect. Like having a perfect mixing style doesn't equal having a good set. I think it doesn't because, uh, I mean, the, the, at least for me, the what, what, what I want to do in a set uh, is not to show a perfect mixing skill, you know. I mix how I mix, I can do mistakes and uh, everything is fine if uh, in the end of the night I, I reach my goal, I, I transform what I want into a good journey for me and the people and that's it and this can carry mistakes also and it's fine. Later on in that same interview with Jeff Mills, he talks about um, there being certain records that he always brings with him because they have like 
go-to tracks that he knows will go off, reliable tracks that he can count on. So I'm wondering if you have any sort of similar tricks where you kind of have certain records that you know will work in whatever context and that you always bring with you. I mean, like there's some records that I... There are some records that I carry very often with me and maybe some for many years to almost every gig. But I don't know, there's some tracks that the feeling is so good to hear it on that big sound systems that you need to carry it. <laughs> I, think, I think for me it's like I need to hear that record loud and uh, and I know the impact it has. So yeah, there's some records that I carry with me for a long time. Has that kind of been a learning process for you just in terms of how long you've been a DJ, you know, you get to know over the course of time what's going to work well, what you love to hear, which ones kind of bring that magic for you. Like, has that been a learning process? I don't know. It's like when I think when when it's it's, it's not only the track that brings the magic, it's the whole thing because you can play such a special track in the wrong moment and would be like nothing, you know. Not nothing, but like will not be the same than playing it in the right time. So it's not only the track that makes the magic, it's the track at the time to play, the way to play, how you combine it and how the mix comes out. Do you ever find yourself having regrets at the end of the night if you didn't play a certain track or if you did play a certain track? Uh, do you ever kind of look back on things at the end of the night and wish you'd done things differently? I don't know. I never think on, on this. Actually, I... Just play and uh, yeah, maybe in the end you said, oh shit, I didn't play this track or <laughs> and I wanted to play it. But if you didn't play it, it was because it was not meant to be played, you know. So I learned that also, uh, uh, that like if you didn't play that track, uh, it was because really it was not to be meant to be played that night, you know. So I know that when you first got into DJing in the 90s, um, you were learning to mix in your friend's garage. And you said that at the time, it felt like a whole universe was opening up for you. Um, I'm wondering if you still get that same feeling about DJing and mixing and tunes today, like that there's this whole kind of universe for you out there. Yeah, I started because before it was something. We were going to parties and then my friend in the end of the 90s got this pair of turntables and we were going to his room to mix some records and then then I moved out from the country to England and uh, and there I could start buying records and turntables and mixing and blah and uh, and of course I feel better now than that days because uh, I have okay. a lot of records and I can play them properly and uh, I learn a lot uh, the feeling is better these days since a while already but the first moment was like, okay, yeah, there is a big universe around this. Uh, I will discover it and I discovered this, but I have, a, I think, a lot more to discover as new, good and amazing music comes out every week. <laughs> so it's endless mm -hmm. in the end. You still feel like there's more to discover out there, like it hasn't gotten... I don't know. I don't want to say boring, but no, it hasn't gotten never, like. No, never get boring. <laughs> There's so much, so many talented people uh, out there uh, doing amazing works, producing uh, such a good music, and uh, and so many good record labels and record shops, like pressing records and selling records, and uh, that this will be forever. 
been like this since so many years already. Uh, it's, I mean, for me, it's always better. It's, I always discover new artists that surprise uh, me. And yeah, I think this will never end. Mm-hmm. If you're enjoying AIR and you'd like to hear more stories like these ones, check out Bear Radio, Berlin's English-speaking podcast network. AIR is proudly produced in partnership with Bear Radio, which is also home to a number of other great shows. A new one that I'm currently listening to is All Boats, which explores the topic of collective success in Berlin through the people and projects in our community, everyone from bartenders to DJs to community leaders. Another new discovery of mine is the Afrocomb podcast, which airs every second Friday and features host Ropa in conversation with a person of African descent living in Europe. There are currently 24 podcasts and hundreds of episodes available, so head over to bearradio.org to listen. So apparently when you were younger, you were more into the punk scene and you were also a skateboarder. Uh, can you tell me a bit about that time in your life? Okay, I, I, I've been never into the punks, uh, punk scene <laughs> first. <laughs> not, 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 no, no, not, absolutely not. Okay. <laughs> I've been a skater my whole life, yes. I skate since I was, I think I got first skateboard with eight year old and uh, my mom gave me a skateboard and... So I stopped doing all sports. I was into it to focus on skate, and uh, and I've been doing this uh, always. Now I slow down since I'm years because it's a, it's an aggressive sport, and I cannot hurt myself. Like my body is not like it was when I was fifteen, twenty, or something. So yeah, but now the punk the punk scene uh, info is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> And so what was the catalyst uh, to you discovering electronic music and wanting to learn how to mix? Like, how did that happen? Well, it happened like um, I had uh, this uh, friend that we met because of the skateboard and he was um, older than me. He's older than me. And uh, yeah, and he like he was going to techno parties uh, before and I also had a club around the corner of my house from my neighborhood. Uh, there was this club that uh, it was a cinema when I was young, but became a club. So I was going to this club uh, when I was also underage because <laughs> they could let me. And uh, I was listening to some DJs. Then uh, I discovered one uh, big DJ that was like the one that inspired me and uh, other people from the time, like DJ Kult, uh, uh, to start DJ. And who was that? His name is Bruno, Bruno Gervais. He's from France, but he was uh, living in uh, in Uruguay. And we met, we were going to listen to him. He was playing very long set, like all night sets. And we discovered this journey with the music. Yeah, it was addiction, you know, to go in the club and listen to him for eight hours and 
get on this uh, journey and this music trip yeah was was amazing yeah so this inspired me to play to mix records yeah i wanted to i had something to to to, to say because the way he was doing it you know it was beside the music he was playing was the way he was doing it what inspired me to to do it you know so i think for a lot of djs when they're first starting out it's like quite common to sort of emulate or not copy but sort of get inspired by the people that you really respect so i wonder if his style had an influence on you when you were first starting out not 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 the music style not 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 really the music style i love the music he played it was really it's amazing but was more that i could i could discover that with the music and doing that uh djing you i could like express me you know and uh and and the way he was doing showed me that you can really go deep with this mm -hmm. and not only to mix records to make the people dance you know Mm -hmm. So is that what inspired me? That was the inspiration, not the music, you know, not the records he was playing. He was playing a very personal style, and uh, and that was him, you know. But but what I learned from him was uh, that you could do something really deep with this, and uh, yeah, this is what I took, you know. And then after I did my way with the music, and I discovered the music that uh, represent me, that represent my feelings. And then from there, where did you go? Like, how did you learn to mix? Did somebody show you the ropes? Uh, no, not, no, no, like really not. Like I, turn, I bought turn turntables and, uh, and I, I learned and uh, I learned the structure of the music naturally. Nobody explained me how music was built. I discovered it by listening to records and you listen that every certain bars there's a change and you know so you learn the mathematics of the music and the structure of the music and this this help you to to mix in the proper way so no but i learned by myself like with another friend we were just buying records and mixing the whole day uh, yeah hmm. and how long did it take you to go from learning to actually having a style of your own you know, like I cannot, I, I cannot say how long it took. I was always buying records that I liked, and I always, in the beginning, of course, you, you search because it's a different thing. You go into, with seventeen, eighteen year old to clubs to listen DJs you like, and uh, then to go to record shops and, I mean, I always like many styles of music. And to mix all styles, it just takes time for you to discover which into which styles of music are the records that are for you, you know. So I was always, uh, I always bought the records I like and then I played them. So from the beginning was, I discovered my style when I discovered into, into which styles of music were that records, you know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I was reading uh, RA's feature on the Montevideo scene and there was a lot of really interesting information in there. There's a section where Fabrizio says that you've always been sort of ahead of your time with style and track selection. Um, so I'm wondering if you can tell me a bit about that time when you were living in Montevideo and how you remember it, how you remember your DJ sets at that time. Um, thing is, like, I left, Mont I, I didn't live in Montevideo for, like, 
22 years uh, now, uh, but I was uh, always going back to play. Even I was living somewhere else, I was going several times a year to play. And uh, for me, this was always been very important to go back and play there. The scene there has been always very rich in terms of, uh, um, you know, the crowd, they go, they know about music, they understand. Uh, uh, we always had like really open hours to play. Uh, we could play long sets, always could play long sets. For me, it, was, uh, it still is the most important play for me to go and to play because I can reconnect with my uh, roots and with my people. I spent half of my life outside um, Uruguay, but uh, I think nowadays I have the strongest connection with with that scene. It was in a way so easy to go and play because everything was perfect and people is so open, like it's hard to find, you know, like you can play anything you want. They don't have expectations about anything. They go to listen good music and uh, that's it. In a way, when you have this and they give you eight to 12 hours to play, is what I play when I go, minimum six, seven, eight, 12 hours. For me, that's very easy uh, land to, to go and do what I do. The memory of my sets, they are always the best because I play for that people that I love so much, you know. Was there a particular gig in Montevideo which you felt was like your big break or that made you realize you could make a career out of DJing? Not really. Not really. This happened. Uh, so um, the process for me was really slow. And at the time, I never, uh, I've been never looking for something like, okay, planning something or which move should I do or not, you know, like this just came natural, uh, getting some gigs there, some gig here and uh, yeah, and do it with with the love I, and respect I have for this. So I don't remember one special gig uh, that was like, there was a before and after this thing being really slow, uh, very, not slow or fast, like just at the time, you know, like was like it was like this. So, what made you decide to move overseas and start gigging more internationally? No, it was, it was like the, actually I moved to England in nineteen ninety nine, the beginning uh, of nineteen ninety nine, and then because I was like skating every day and going to clubs in the weekend, that was my life. And okay, uh, when I told my mother if that I maybe would like to moved to England uh, for, some, for some reason. She said, yeah, go, because maybe you will find some more things to do there than being skating your <laughs> whole day and going to parties uh, and clubs during the, every weekend. So, so I moved there. Then Sorry, I mom. Went, yeah, <laughs> uh, but she was, she was my biggest support, you know. She really su supported me so much, like, with all these decisions and... Uh, and then I moved back to South America, not to Uruguay, to Brazil. So so do you think that your relationship to music and DJing would be different if you had lived forever in Uruguay? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I really don't know. I, probably, yes, uh, it would be, of course, a lot of... The, I, 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 I did my life somewhere else, uh, some other countries and this. And this gave me different influences and uh, 
and uh, and I met so many people uh, that I would not meet and uh, I would not have certain that experiences if I was would stay in Uruguay, but I would have another one, another. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I cannot uh, I cannot say how how it was going to be, but it was never an option for me. Uh, I feel good to be um, to be. Uh, living where I am and, uh, and, and, and to, to play in different parties every weekend. I need this. It's really good for me. I feel really good doing it and I feel good meeting new different people. So yeah, I don't know how it would be <laughs> really. You mentioned that, um, you know, DJing nowadays really makes you feel good and that you are obviously missing the, the magic of not being able to play in clubs. So I'm wondering, like, what kind of role is music playing in terms of, like, I don't know, feeding your soul a little bit and oh, yes. kind of helping you stay inspired uh, yes, and happy Yes, 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 yes. Uh, Of course, <laughs> I've been in a few dark places <laughs> during all these years. And, uh, yeah, and music helped me and friends helped me and, you know, family helped me. If I had the chance to do a gig and I've feeling weird, uh, probably I would feel a little better after that. So the music always is, is, is there with us every day. So uh, it can put you into dark places also. <laughs> but uh, yeah, normally it helps. So obviously digging and getting into tunes that are, that are older, you know, from the 80s and 90s, um, that's a really big part of what you do. But are you also playing and seeking out new music? I play a lot of new music. Yeah, 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 yeah. I play it, like, I think now more than, than ever. Yes, I dig, like, the history of music always. And uh, But uh, I did it already a lot. And uh, I dedicate so many hours a day to dig the history of uh, the music uh, I like. So nowadays, I have way more time to discover the new stuff. Over the years, have you noticed uh, a change in the kind of music that you seek out to play? Um, I think, I think it's, yeah, it's normal. I mean, I think I, I was not the same with, with 20 than now with 40. You know, I, I'm more mature. I have other things. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know, like, I think, it always changed. It always has an evolution, and uh, yeah, it of, of course it changed. It, but was been always linked with what I did, you know. Like was never like a hard break of style changing or something, you know. I always d dig into techno records or uh, electro or uh, some house also. But I think it's normal. The change should should happen when you grow up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like your tastes will continue to change? as you get older from now? I don't know. Uh, I think it's about the, the, I mean, I think the style, I don't know. I don't think the style will change. I, I, I never thought the style changed. If you, you can play certain techno records and over the years you play other techno records. So you're into the techno thing anyways, you know, this is big, a big thing, you know. But of course I will discover new things, I hope. <laughs> yes, in, in 20, if in, in 10 or 20 years I'm playing the same stuff, then now it will be shit. So what's the main difference between the music that you seek out to play and the kind of music that you're releasing on your label? I mean, yeah, I mean, well, 
I, I release music that every every record I release, every track I release till now are tracks I play, you know? I play everything. Everything I release, I play it. If there is a difference, uh, yeah, the range of records, uh, the styles uh, I play is quite big. I play music for every moment. So any, I would release a record of any style I play, you know? I released like till now, maybe between two labels, 20 records. And uh, so 20 records is, is a really, is, very small part of all all I have, but yeah, I would release a record of any style of music I play. And what about in terms of finding artists to release their music? Like, what draws you to someone's sound or style uh, in order to have them on the label? I don't know. Like you know, uh, we cross on the way. You know, like, I mean, somehow the you find the music, music find you. You know, like you always cross with something. And then uh, if you connect with music and uh, with with this person, I don't know if the music this artist makes make you feel something good, and 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 you see that you can maybe find a way to have a release together. You you I would do it. Mm-hmm. You know? Do you have to have that kind of connection with the person? I don't know. This you know this is, that's a good question because. Uh, Normally, like almost all every all artists I release, I know them personally. Mm-hmm. But there's few that I don't, and uh, but the communication been always good. We don't know personally, but it was mm-hmm. always a good communication. Uh, so of course, this is important. Uh, I'm not a cult uh, person. I cannot do something only like okay, we we release this and we exchange some. We talk a little bit, maybe we do a phone call. We, I need to know something, you know, about someone that uh, will be releasing our label and, uh, and you know, and that record will be forever with us. It will be a good, nice part of our life. And so mm. I, I like to know a little bit, you know, but mostly most of, most of the artists I know them personally, they're friends of mine. I guess when you know someone and they're friends of yours, it makes it a bit easier to have that trust that you really need to release someone's music. I don't know. Uh, sometimes it's not the trust. If, if You know, like I, like, I don't know. I think like the, all the artists that approached to us, uh, I never had a weird experience with someone, you know? Mm. Like uh, with any artist that came, they always like come in really nice way to, to show the work. But I like, of course, when you do something with friends, you share more talks about the, you know, the the release or I don't know, like yeah, some friends I talk every day. So it's the bigger part of, of my life than someone that I don't know. But anyways, like I had the same feeling to release to all records, you know. Do you think that you are taking influence from artists that are your friends, as you've mentioned, or artists whose music you're releasing, do you think that you take influence from them uh, in terms of your storytelling or your mixing or the kind of journey that you want to take people on? Like, are you taking influence or are you just kind of going your own path? I don't know if, if I'm, I'm taking influence from them. I don't know. If an artist do a, a good record and I play that record, I don't know if we can call it influence, but for, yeah, it's, for me, it's something, okay, 
you did an amazing track I want to play it so thank you you know <laughs> <laughs> thanks a lot because and when I play this track in a proper situation I don't know if you can call it influence but uh, of course influence my set because I play this track in that uh, moment and uh, but yeah a lot of I, I, really many friends uh, some friends uh, from especially from Uruguay because uh, really I'm really connected with these artists they made music that uh, really touched me. So, yeah, we can call it an, an influence or an inspiration for to, 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 to play their records. Which, which artists today from Uruguay are influencing you or inspiring you, I guess? Uh, well, this, uh, so, uh, I will forget some, so this would be like, <laughs> like no, but uh, uh, yeah, uh, Latresse, Michel, Zab, and... Uh, uh, there's many others. Uh, Querina is a new uh, artist uh, we will release. Do you think that DJing is something that you hope to continue doing until you die, for example? Like, I think that's a very common thing with filmmakers or artists who, <laughs> you know, they want to they wanna do it until, until they can't anymore, basically. Yeah. Is that something that resonates with you? Well, till I die, uh, <laughs> this will... I mean... <laughs> I I don't think I will be booked so much with eighty year old, <laughs> but uh, I don't know. Uh, I think this. Uh, I don't know how it. The, the, I mean, I think it's this evolution. Uh, is the natural evolution will come to a point that I don't get uh, bookings, and you know this. This is our generations growing and. But I think will be the time that also, if this come natural in my life, like everything on this uh, music uh, world uh, experience, this will be a natural thing. I always thought that I will be producing music when I get older. Uh, now, now is the time for me to DJ and to put my energy into that. Mm -hmm. And uh, maybe I will, when I'm older, that I will not have gigs, I will make music. <laughs> I, I've been always feeling this, that I will make music when I'm old and I'm not teaching. Uh, so I keep thinking that, that this will be my way. But music will always be a part of your life, I'm guessing. Yes, of course. I mean, it's there, you know, it's there. Yes, I will not, I don't see myself once like just, okay, not listening to music and go to do whatever. Of course, it will be always there somehow. And is it something you also hope to pass on to your son? I don't know how his interests, uh, you know, what he would like to do. Uh, for now, when I play some, uh, put some records, he likes to dance mm -hmm. around. So, uh, but I don't know what he would like to do when he grow. He's seven year old now, and I will support him with anything. So, yeah. <laughs> and how do you hope that your career continues to evolve like is there certain projects that you want to do that you haven't done yet or certain things that you haven't done yet that you want to do uh, not really i mean i don't know how it will continue <laughs> 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 to, to, to answer this question nowadays will be like is i don't know is it's um it's uh, a bit difficult because i don't know but i see the light i start to see the light i start like something start to uh Man, happening for the summer, a few things, and this will go better, I think, in the next months and year. Uh, so, but I don't know. Honestly, I don't. When I have a project in mind, 
I do it, you know. Uh, I don't wait so long because if the energy, the, this, the idea come now, I have to do it now. Otherwise, like maybe in the future, you know, we'll not have the same energy to do it. I, I never leave uh, things for later. If I have an idea, I do it. So I don't have a plan for the future. <laughs> Just what I'm doing at the moment. <laughs> been listening to Nicholas Lutz for Air Podcast, episode 33. Don't forget you can follow us on Instagram at at underscore air podcast, as well as on Patreon at patreon.com slash air podcast. On that note, I'd like to thank my newest Patreon subscriber, Bradley Shimrak. Thank you so much for your support. We'll be back on the last Wednesday of every month. So see you again in May. And thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.